0: Hey, ZeroBlog30 listeners, you can find us every Tuesday and Friday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Pride members can also listen ad-free on Amazon Music. It's a Friday edition here on Zero Block 30 and today we have six rounds in the magazine. But before we really get going, I was watching The Office last night, and I, I texted you guys, remind me about the word fussy. We don't use the word fussy enough to describe an adult's behavior. Mm. What's wrong, Kate? What happened? Uh oh.
1: I was Xing out of stuff to clear room and this ad started going crazy loud. I'm so sorry.
0: Oh, I didn't hear it. Didn't hear a oh.
1: thing. Oh, God, it was so loud. My headphones, it made me jump. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay,
2: I thought that she you was, were very against She the was word very fussy. <laughs> fussy. No, she was very fussy yeah, herself. You
1: just, just get fussy. Uh, I was but, real f- my fussy, britches.
0: <laughs> Michael Scott burns his foot Cooks his foot On a George Foreman grill And everybody describes his behavior as fussy I'm going to start doing that to people Nothing puts you in a If Cones is going off on one of his tangents Where he's all worked up And I say Kahn's you're acting real fussy I feel like that puts a stop into it Real quick that You stops don't want to be an adult acting fussy
2: No that stops you right in your tracks
0: <laughs> Okay <laughs> I agree Any opinion whatsoever
1: No, I just, I agree I (laughs) agree fussy is a toughie
0: (laughs) right, we're gonna try not to be fussy on today's show Which has six rounds in the magazine Round number one Nothing good seems to come from the land of military TikTok, and that's certainly the case With one that made the illustrious New York Post This week for a major safety violation Sometimes videos come out And I think No, you didn't You didn't do that this is this is one of those times. Round number two, a marine living off base at Camp Lejeune was pull, was willing to put his career on the line when he saw conditions his fellow Devil Dogs were stuck in in the barracks: mold, boiling temps, um, broken facilities—basically normal Marine Corps barracks life. But people finally saw it online, and uh, is he going to get in trouble for it? Probably. <laughs> Probably. We've already got plenty of D- DMs that say yes, he is going to get in trouble with that. Round number three. A trillion dollar spending package has been proposed in the Senate that's meant to tackle economic fallout from COVID 19. Um, so they're going to have like $30 million of the draft items tucked in there for 30, the military? 30, 30 billion,
1: billion with a B. Basically, there was this COVID 19 bill. There's this draft going through the Senate right now. And when you look at it closely, it turns out there's thirty billion dollars worth of military spending kind of tucked in there that has nothing to do with COVID nineteen. So that's making headlines right now. I kind of like that. When uh. people
0: hate it, whenever they like on the West Wing, they'd be like, "Oh, why are you putting that in there?" A little, uh, what what is that called? Pork barrel spending? Yeah, we're gonna yeah
1: we're gonna talk about that on the so on they that have round. pork
0: barrel spending, and everybody's like, "Oh, I wouldn't do that." Why does this bill dealing with prescription medication have? $14 million that is going to Iowa for their state fair butter judging competition. Like, well, because that's what that one <laughs> senator needed to get it done. If I was a senator, you better believe I'd be the pork bill master. Here, <laughs> what I mean, do I need? I need all kinds of shit.
2: At the end of the day, doesn't hurt to ask.
0: No, it doesn't hurt. All you, all they can say is no, Kate. That's it. You Look, Kate has scrunchy face already. Kate, fussy. Fussy. She's, She's fussy very right fussy. Now. She's preemptively Fussy. True. Our baby girls aren't going to like that. <laughs> Round number four, Michelle Paradis, which is a French name. And you think, normally you say, chaps, you guys don't have French guests. Well, he's American. Don't worry. We would not cross that boundary. Huge. Actual French speaker on the podcast. But he wrote a book after working with the Department of Defense in 2007 that had to deal with waterboarding, torture techniques, and things like that proving once again that there's nothing new under the sun, Michael Paradis is going to join us, or Michelle Paradis is going to join us to talk about his book, The Last Mission to Tokyo. It's fascinating. It's elements of the Doolittle Raid that we've talked about quite frequently on the show and things that we didn't know about the Doolittle Raid including the trial of eight members who were captured there and kept as prisoners of war and tortured beyond belief. Round number five an Ohio HVAC company is offering its services to President Trump after an errant tweet They played it pretty, and this is a Kate special, dot, dot, dot. Cool, if you ask us, get it, because it's an HVAC company. And round number six. ZBT has been around for 285 episodes, nearly four years, or 1,422 days. Something happened this week that has never happened in the history of our show, and we're not happy about it, but we are happy about the boots that we've been wearing because we're new boot goofing with our good friends, Rocky Boots. Rocky Boots are the best boots in the land. If you're running a CFT and you need to make your time just a little bit faster, take off those lead-weighted boots that you've been wearing and put on the light breezy, the non-fussy inducing Rocky Boots. They are fantastic. They are built for both men and women that serve the country. They are designed and built for the in the U.S. for each branch of the military, whether you're in the Navy, Coast Guard, Air Force, Marines. Uh, did I leave anybody out? Oh, the Navy, if you're in one of those, they have boots for you. Even if you're not a boot, they have boots for you, including the USMC Tropical Boot. It's very compliant and made right here in the USA. And And they are good, I found out, for hauling rocks while you're pushing a wheelbarrow, which I did a little bit of last night. That's a workout, man. Like when you're doing wheelbarrow goofing, Mm -hmm. if you just want to go out and have a decent trap day the next day, just throw a wheelbarrow. Just get a wheelbarrow. And spoiler alert wheelbarrow, B A R R O W. Unbelievable. Yeah, people don't don't realize that yeah, yeah. <laughs> they my don't goodness. realize that i didn't Well, I, marshmallow and wheelbarrow are two words that when i found out how they're spelled correctly my mind was blown i became fussy you won't be fussy listen to all six rounds which are presented by our good friends at rocky boots and if you wanted to save 25 percent off on your newest pair of boots they're going to be comfortable than your oldest pair of boots go to rockyboots.com com. enter the code zbt at checkout for 25 percent <laughs> off which is a great damn deal let's start the show if I didn't um, mention that today, Friday, the day that you're listening to it, most likely, my live day, a live day number twelve.
1: Whoa! So happy about
0: that. July thirty first, two thousand seven, is when it all went down. Um, so today is my live day, which I actually like more than my birthday.
1: Yeah, happy alive day. Have Thank you, you very much. Have you found that over the years your perspective on your live day has changed?
0: Um, yeah, I actually look forward to it more. Than my birthday, like I just yeah. I just like it. I I like to talk about it uh, with my family and just like remind my kids. I one of my favorite memories as a dad. I think it was about five or six years ago now. And Kelsey and I were riding around in my truck, and it happened to be my alive day. This was before I worked at Barstool, and I was like, "Today's my alive day." And she was like, well, "What does that mean?" And I said, "Well, it's a day that I celebrate that I didn't die." Whenever. I got shot. And she was like, wait, what? (laughs) I was like, yeah, I got shot. And she was like, shot, like with a gun. (laughs) I was like, yeah. She was like, I always thought you were saying shots that you got shots in Iraq. Like you got, flu shot. She was like, I didn't know you got shot. I was like, well, why do you think the big scars on my arm? She was like, I just thought they were really bad at it. She, <laughs> has, she was like nine or ten years old and had no idea that I had actually been shot
2: with a gun. It was a good It was a good conversation. Good conversation to
1: have. have. You, well, happy, happy Alive Day.
2: Happy Thank Alive you. Day. Have either of you ever seen James Gandolfini's documentary Alive Day Memories?
0: Uh-uh. No.
2: Check that out. I highly recommend. It's a phenomenal uh, documentary. R.I.P. to James Gandolfini. Uh, Quasi military related. He played a, a a sailor in Crimson Tide, so that's close enough. But yeah, ah, very good that'll work. yeah,
0: that'll work. Kate, you're going down to Jersey Shore. Cons, are you going this weekend too?
2: Yeah. Uh, well, I got uh, golf Saturday, Sunday down the shore in between. So that's that, that seems
1: to be the, the move this
2: year, since nothing else is really available to do.
0: Yeah, Kate, you excited about your little weekend away?
1: yeah I love I'm just such a beach lady all the way someday I'm gonna have a little shack on the beach that's my Mm -hmm. main goal like in my mind I'm like I could rent a studio in New York City forever the house I buy will be on the ocean somewhere so or (laughs) global warming I buy it a few blocks inland by the Mm. time I'm 60 I got beachfront Yep. Yeah.
2: Can I tell you something that's just so disappointing? And uh, Kyle and Chaps will certainly relate to this living where they live. But I was talking to a buddy yesterday. He's a veteran and he's getting ready to buy a home in South Carolina and using his VA loan for the first time. And he, he mm-hmm. went through all the numbers for me. And then I just compare that to the cost of living up here in New York and New Jersey. And it made me want to cry.
1: It yeah. It was just it terrible. <laughs> crushes your soul a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Even
0: here, like timing of everything. Like I bought my house at the bottom of the market here. And now, like my my house is like three thousand square feet. Ha- apartments, one bedroom apartments across the street, like across a little bit outside of my neighborhood, fifteen hundred for a one bedroom bath or one bedroom apartment, and that's less than I pay for my house. Holy shit! Crazy. Yeah.
1: Damn.
0: Huh. <sighs> yeah. Unbelievable. Suck it. <laughs> that's good. That's good. All right, <laughs> let's get going with the show. Round number one. It's military TikToks, and this is a boot, boot special. Actually, these guys aren't boots. Like, they had been in for a while because they're out of the military, right, Kate?
1: Yes, they're out of the military, and this was – I'm always kind of surprised when I'm scrolling the New York Post because normally the New York Post is like, "Eh, pick some celebrity, and it's like they make it seem shocking that the celebrity is out for frozen yogurt or something. It's Mm -hmm. like just, you know, usually fluff news. Well, this, Jennifer Gardner gets a Frappuccino. Yeah. Whoa. The so post this is
2: barely I, a step above the National Enquirer.
1: Right. So whenever I see military news on there and like I perk up a little bit, I'm like, what could this be? Because it's never good. It's the military's Not in the that New York We're post,
0: in a position to be throwing right. stones at <laughs> right. frivolous websites.
1: Absolutely. I did a blog about tits yesterday. But so, at least at least um, we acknowledge it. At least right, we don't
2: uh, purport to be yeah. some sort of uh, you
1: know, great entity but go ahead Kate I'm sorry. I am absolutely garbage and speaking of uh, so this is a story in the New York Post Uh, an army specialist appeared to be frozen with fear when a fellow soldier aimed a loaded gun at him in a video on the TikTok app TikTok app pardon me but he insists the footage was staged and the weapon was only loaded with dummy rounds, you guys. In uh, the 17-second clip posted to Twitter on Thursday by Recruiting Truth shows a former, now former, Army Specialist, Kyle Benton, locking the slide of an M9 semi-automatic pistol to make sure it's not loaded before putting the weapon in front of a fellow soldier. So, like, you're at the armory, the armorer clears it, hands it over to you. That's the part we see. Next, the person who accepts the weapon, who they are filming with one hand while doing this with the other... They put rounds. They load it, chamber it, and then point it at the armorer, who then puts their hands up and looks absolutely terrified. This is an absolute no-go. Uh, and when the kid has his arms up... This <laughs> I
0: love goofing as much as the next guy. Can't goof this way. No.
1: Yeah. Uh, former Army Specialist Kyle Benton then puts his arms up and says, what are you doing, Sergeant? The soldier recording the interaction then raises the loaded weapon and points it at Benton prompting him to back away in fear, which was Benton himself, the one who had the the gun pointed at him, is the one who posted this on his TikTok. Uh, So, whoa, 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 he says while raising both hands, he looks very scared. Uh, Benton said he posted the video to TikTok after finishing his service contract and leaving the Army. The former infantryman insisted he held on to the footage for over a year and waited until he was no longer enlisted to post it. So this was, the two of them were in cahoots. This was like a staged video. Army investigators reached out to Benton to discuss Excellent the clip.
0: use of cahoots.
1: Kiss. Thank you. <laughs> uh, army investigators reached out to Benton to discuss the clip, but he declined to be interviewed. He also refused to identify the other soldier in what he characterized as a staged video. Like I just said, which led to alarming contents on TikTok. I just want people to stop thinking I was the person holding the gun so they can stop threatening me, big time victim Benton told the website. I will never reveal the person who is holding it. The incident sparked a probe by the Army NCIS command at New York's Fort Drum adding that... I guess it wouldn't be NCIS, but whatever. Yeah. You get the idea. Uh, at Fort Drum, adding that the identity of the second soldier remains unknown. Now, from what I saw, the Twitter sleuths have figured out who it is, but I will oh, say. Yeah. Who knows? Anyways. Say it. I'm not going to say it. Full Christian name is blank. <laughs> Anyways, um, the, of course the Army said this video does not represent our values. This is big time bad. Ben, meanwhile, has posted comments on several Twitter accounts characterized as racially charged and offensive since leaving the mm. army. Uh, he was accused in June of posting Nazi propaganda at a See, Black Lives Matter rally in Portland. It's
0: just a little safety violation goof and goes yeah. bad. This well, is like finding out the the fire bunny was racist. This is terrible.
1: <laughs> well, so this is one of those things where if you're doing something like this and you think it's funny, you're an absolute piece of shit anyway, so this isn't really that much of a surprise. Benton declined to discuss the post, saying he was never investigated for his viewpoints while in the Army, so he was certainly still a piece of shit while he was in. Huff, meanwhile, said he could confirm only that this is an Army representative, could only confirm that Benton's discharge was not related to violating the UCMJ. So not great when a video like this goes viral right away of course all on twitter that at recruiting truths account that posted it people right away underneath it were like i figured out who he is here's the links to his other accounts here's his family like immediately people figured yeah, out but that's this so guy's fun. whole background like
0: we want to poo poo that i'm not <laughs> gonna poo poo that that's what i like to do when somebody says something outrageous or does something outrageous and it's like well Here's their entire history. You can find anything online. It's It's,
2: unbelievable. It's unreal what people are able to do with the internet these days. I said, I I, I need somebody on the internet to tell me definitively what happened with JFK. But what was interesting, Kate, you sent this in our group chat, and my first reaction was, Jesus, that's not okay. It's so ingrained when you join any branch of the military how you do not – ever 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 under any circumstances joke around with weapons whether they be loaded unloaded so much so in, in my brain I'll speak for myself even if someone has a plastic or a toy gun and they point it near me I'll be like "Whoa, whoa whoa don't do that knowing full well it's a plastic fake gun it's just something that I don't think will ever escape my brain
1: even when I hold, we have a lot of Nerf guns at the office. It's just automatic. My fingers straighten off the trigger no matter <laughs> yeah. what I do. And I, I still, even holding <laughs> the, the Nerf gun. went
0: to the podcasting studio fucking turkey peeking around the
1: corner i'm peeking <laughs> around the corner. i'm i'm, I'm pieing off the doorways <laughs> but i finger straight off the trigger and i legit if i'm i don't flag people with a nerf gun oh, it's just out of habit i do it hand, with a
0: nail gun i'm before yeah. my kid did the back of the cabinet i made her recite their weapon safety rules
1: <laughs> and there's a reason for that i was on a range where i saw somebody shoot themselves in the foot because they weren't being smart with their weapon, they were and not that's following the, reason the why weapon Plax safety Copa rules. Harris
0: got out of the Marine Corps. Yeah, exactly. that
1: is true. Same thing. And I also the like the day I got sent out to outside the wire to my outpost in Afghanistan, a Marine cleared his saw into another Marine's leg and severely fucked his world up. Oh, and geez. I saw I saw both of those things with my own eyes, and my god, you cannot be more careful with this shit. I also have family members Especially who have it's come a squad to
0: a automatic you,
1: Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't. be I, real careful. Yeah, that was definitely a big time. And it was his buddy, too, that he did it to. So it was it was really tough time there. So I, I also, when I was in a mount town once, and I'm slumped against the wall, and uh, we were, like, sleeping and staying in this mount town for a couple days in the field, mm-hmm. and I'm slumped against the wall, eating my chow and this, like, dark, just having some time to myself. I'm a corporal. And here come these two PFCs walking through the mount town. We're kind of, like, after hours. And the one points his, it was unloaded. There was nothing, but points his M9 right up at the other's head to take a selfie with each other doing it. Uh, and I, again, I said I've only yelled a few times as a Marine. Corporate I, wasn't having it. I, th- I like blacked out. I don't remember what I said, what I did. I just remember leaping up like a spider monkey and being like, I don't know what I said. Did you? I
0: know. Did you drop a devil dog, you think?
1: I'm sure I did. I'm, I, I feel like as I was leaping up, I could feel my <laughs> knife hands engaging. and I'm like, you stupid. I mean, I didn't tell on them or anything, but I'm like, you dumb mother. They're probably like, tell tell lame. You so sure <laughs> <them>? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what an uptight daddle. bitch. Yeah, they probably thought I was such a bitch for it. But, like, I, I mean, you just cannot. Once you've seen it, Jesus Christ. Because I mean, even,
0: like, weapons that are non-lethal, we've seen that with some of the protests that are going on in Portland, where even with non-lethal weapons, you can't be pointing those straight at people's fucking heads and necks and shit. Like some of these federal officers, whoever the fuck they are, wearing these uniforms that don't have any designation on them, like and pointing it, essentially point blank range. You have one of those shotgun shells with the beanbag inside, point blank, and you shoot somebody in the neck. That person is dying. Like yes. without, I've been shot so many times with sim rounds. I used to have to be like a. K nine, we would always do like shoot don't shoot scenarios and one we were doing domestic violence training and it was like shoot don't shoot i wasn't wearing a shirt and just to make it more realistic i had like a fake beer in my hand some <laughs> of the other mps lit me the fuck up with m9s and m4s and I, it was when i was lance corporal and i was covered with welts like through my tattoos all yeah. kinds of shit man like i had it looked like my arms were essentially those you know whenever you're riding through the desert and they have like the dune buggies my arms were swollen like dune buggy courses like Mm. all over
1: yeah, I got a bloody left ass cheek because I got stuck on a wall during sim round training, <laughs> and they're like, "Do do 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 do," my ass. That was shit finished. hurts. I know, I a know. Bloody left
2: ass cheek. <laughs> yeah, that's, they breaks that's the like, funny. But it literally shot with
0: one comms a sim round like no. the soap rounds. No, it I breaks haven't. your
1: skin. It's not Dude, like a paintball. It's, it's rough. Uh, Kyle, you?
3: Yeah, but it was from a long ways away, so it didn't really matter. Uh, uh, point blank, if I, it yeah. sticks.
2: I, I have one safety violation. Kate asked if, if we had ever seen any safety violations, and I have one that's a little funnier. And it lends itself to the whole credo of officers are dumb. Mm. Uh, and it's, <laughs> I'm it's listening. It's, it's on me. It's on me. I got to an outpost in Iraq. I was at Cop Apache, and I was looking for somewhere to run. And this is before we had built up the concrete barriers that acted as a uh, landing area for the choppers to come in and out. So it was just... We had the concrete barriers around the cop. And then going out of the driveway of the cop, we had the HESCO barriers. And for those who don't know, HESCO barriers, they're probably like eight or nine feet high. And they're just canvas. They're almost like huge bags of canvas filled with dirt. And they uh, act as a a wall. So I'm running in circles, running in circles around the cop, trying to get a workout in. The cop's only so big. So I see, oh, there's there's HESCO barriers. I I can continue to run. So I, I go and do a lap out. Uh, the driveway of the, the cop Do another lap around I go out to the driveway again And as I'm coming back in One of my E7s is sprinting towards me Screaming at me And excuse the language But this is what he said Sir, what in the fuck are you doing? And I had no idea what he was talking <laughs> about Technically, I was outside the wire With no sort of uh, PPE on No no Kevlar, no, no flak vest. I was just running Running in the driveway of the cop <laughs>
1: No oh, shit. You didn't realize. <laughs> no, I had no idea. you got
0: the nickname Captain Bergdahl. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's fair. <laughs>
1: so, I just wanted to see if I could reach that other fob.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So well, moral of the story is HESCO barriers are not the same as concrete barriers, so don't run on the driveway of your cop. Good tip. Good yeah. Tip. <laughs> well, that
1: at Recruiting Truth actually replied to us. We retweeted it on Zero Block 30 and they said they had seen on fob falcon in 2004 uh, an NCO cleared an AT4 backwards. <laughs> Shot at about thirty feet above the Connex boxes, they were packing to leave after a year. The ninety-day extension days later did not come as a surprise. So an AT-4 goofing. Don't want to. You don't want to fuck with that. That's not great. Oh, a
0: lot but, of goofing going on in the military. That's like straight out
2: of uh, in the army now with Paulie. Schiller yes, indeed, it out, indeed it is.
0: And the Marines down in Camp Lejeune are goofing in their barracks room. Because I I think that this story is technically a big deal because some of the living conditions in barracks are just disgusting. Mm -hmm. But we get so wrapped up, I do anyways, of like, well, this is what life was like. For me, too. So what does it matter? Like, this is a big part of life. But there's no real training reason. There's no discipline reason that causes you to be stronger because you have black mold growing <laughs> in your barracks room.
1: I think part of it, because this is, stories like this come out literally every year in the news, where somewhere across the military, it's revealed that Marines are living under, like, genuinely horrendous and not okay and unhealthy conditions. And I think part of it is that those in power don't have to live there. They don't Mm -hmm. see it. They don't think about it. So they don't give a fuck. And there's this attitude of, like you said, like, oh, that's just part of the way it is, right? But it's not. Like, if you're living with a shit ton of mold in your room, not great. It shouldn't have to be. If it's 110 degrees and you have no source of of air moving through your room, not great. Not okay. So this is one of those situations where uh, we got DMs about it. And apparently this NCO had seen, the was living out in town. I guess I'll just tell the story, but they request after request after request, nothing was happening. So finally, they turned to social media. And this is, I guess I don't want to say his name because I don't know if he took the post down or not, Uh, but we'll just call him Sergeant Hero, is my mind, is what the. um, So he says, edit to post. Actually, I'll read that at the end. So here's the initial post I need help. US Marine Corps Camp Lejeune, 10th Marine Regiment, HQ Battery on Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. I'll keep this brief and relatable. We have Marines living in absolutely terrible living conditions. For nearly two weeks, Marines have lived in barracks with no AC in 100 degree plus weather. The rooms grow black mold on a regular, and half of the few amenities they have do not work. We've tried respectfully requesting the correct way, but it has been ignored more times than not. Today, we addressed it again to put in a formal complaint, and they were going to just dismiss it and acted like it was a burden to take care of the Marines. The end conclusion was to... Put in the complaint, but they're just going to tell you to scrub it.
0: I wish we could do this with Kate reading this complaint with the background music of the opening of *A Few Good Men* when Private San Diego <laughs> yeah, yeah, is yes, giving yes. his list of complaints of <laughs> yes, going on in yes. <laughs>
1: Here's the thing: the United States military has the largest military budget on the planet. Our regiment specifically has enough money to build a brand new two-story CP and office building for the higher ups to work in. But the Marines that live in these barracks 24-7 cannot get a simple mattress replaced or working air conditioning. These Marines are expected to live and breathe by, by the Marine Corps, but have been continuously neglected and treated as less than human. Sadly, I have to go to social media because that's the only way to get things done anymore. The only way to make us change is through awareness, and the battery is failing us. And yes, I signed the page 11 for social media misconduct. If I get fucked, I get fucked. I would also like to say that our immediate chain of command has been helpful... But it's a, at a point where they can't do much. And he includes photos where there is clearly the whole top of this wall is covered in black mold. There is furniture and mattresses covered in mold. This mattress that is supposed to be a mattress mm. is a disgusting excuse for a mattress. It looks like it's been there since 1952 and has been slept on by a million different Marines. And the whole thing is just like, it Who's makes gonna me angry. going to clean it
0: up? You you, Lieutenant Weinberg.
1: Yeah, and so I said, I was like, I replied to this guy. I said, it wasn't him that reached out, but somebody in his unit reached out. And I said, did anything end up happening? And the guy replied, apparently the division higher-ups are going to be walking through the barracks and some news agencies asked permission to come through. Uh, and I said, it he said that the guy who posted it is finished. And I was like, "Is finished like NJP. He said, yes, that's what we're hearing. So this, this, I'm calling him a sergeant. I don't know what rank he is, but he's getting NJP'd. Uh, I said, that sucks. How do you guys feel about it? Like general consensus. And he said, um, as far back as we can remember, there's been black mold and shitty AC and broken washers and dryers. We've consistently tried to do things the proper way and go through the barracks manager and long discrepancies and try to get things fixed, but they laugh it off. And so, we were a hundred percent on board with what this guy did taking it to social media that I feel like we were talking about this before about that that plan to tax the military contractor companies a mm-hmm. certain percentage that will have to take care of our veterans when they get home from war. Mm-hmm. How do we how is that possible that we have this huge military budget but we can't take care of the of the troops who are in and the troops after they get out is like. Beyond me,
2: it is. Oh no, it's especially crazy.
1: when you
0: have thirty billion dollars worth of just pork barrel spending it gets added to a random bill. It's and crazy. they're the
1: ones who get fucked on field day morning. Like, why does your room look like shit, uh, sir? Because this room is covered in asbestos dust and has been the same furniture since like World War One, sir. So like, yeah,
0: but also at the same time, you hear stories like this, and it should be shocking, but it's not shocking. Like, this is every barracks that I have ever been into. Like, I remember getting here at Lackland whenever I showed up to the Lackland Marine Barracks in 2004 when I just got when I was just getting started and thinking this is the nicest barracks I've ever been in and at that <laughs> point I had been to boot camp MCT and to Fort Leonard Wood and I get here and I go into the barracks I'm like wow this is really nice Come to find out, the Air Force gave it to the Marine Corps because it was condemned. Like, the building was <laughs> condemned. But that was, like, the nicest spot I had been in yet. So, and a condemned building like, is, better, talking
2: about? is better than what you normally get. And I just, you kind of touched on it, Chaps. I was going to ask the three of you, how much, you know, obviously this is terrible living conditions, but is there a little part of you that just wants to say, suck it up, buttercup, because this is what we all have to deal with? Not I think, like,
0: more. nasty barracks if it, it's not, like, aesthetically pleasing or if it has shitty-looking old furniture, that's one thing. But requiring Marines or whoever to live in a place that has black mold and is legit bad for their health, thats that doesn't... Whenever there's such a push for lethality and to get people healthy again with the Army CFT, like the PFT rules they're changing, that's such a basic way to maintain the health of the Military population is ensuring that the place that they live is clean. Yes, like, it, just, well as, as no well brainer. as the
2: morale. As well as it's the morale. Right. And, and so you said, huge for morale. You say, why, why is nothing done? Because honestly, it's, it's an out of sight, out of mind type thing. I could say right. one of the best things this this gentleman, now uh, General Darty, he taught me when he was a battalion commander and I was an LT. He said, You you don't have to do it every day, but every once in a while, just just take a stroll through the barracks, see how your soldiers are living, making sure everything's okay. And if there's any leaders listening right now, you should definitely do that from time to time because stuff like this, they might put up through the appropriate channels and they will just get ignored. So if you get involved and then you can say like, hey, by the way, I got... Four soldiers who have no mattress because their mattresses are filled with mold. Then maybe something with a little, little more rank can can get this taken care of.
1: Well, it sounds like this is what they were trying to do for years, and yeah. literally nothing was happening. And so, like not having washers and dryers. It's I mean, somebody holy doesn't shit. want to
2: take the
0: blame. Like with stuff right. like this. Like they look at it, I think from a command perspective. Oftentimes, they look at if I acknowledge this is a problem and I can't get it fixed, it's going to fall on that's me. It's going to look negative on me, so I'd rather just fucking ignore it. Well, that's it. that's,
3: that's exactly what yeah, so. happens. I worked in the S four for a little while before I I got out, and civilians handle a hundred percent of the barracks maintenance. So. Guys would come in and be like, hey, I need this fixed in my room, and then whoever was the barracks manager would add it into the system, and then it would go over to the civilian side. Well, they didn't do anything about it because they had the entire base to handle, and, you know, everyone's going to slap the highest priority on whatever they have. And so for, for months, we couldn't get anything done. And the command, like you said, chaps, they can't really do anything about it. They can go to the general and be like, hey, we need this to happen, but, I mean, what's what's even the general going to do to the civilian contractors on base? It's.
0: And let me ask you guys a question from a perspective of people who lived in a barracks. If you gave me the option of staying in a super clean barracks where I knew my company First Sergeant or whoever is going to be really adamant of acting like it's his or her own fucking barracks, like they built it with their own hands— or living in a dirty barracks that nobody gives a fuck about buddy sign me up for the black bowl <laughs> yeah yep.
1: yeah i could see that i could see that uh either way i hope they get it fixed i think it's crazy that like i i hope they're not njp in the guy because it sounds like he's the only one who has the balls to do the right thing in this situation to-, to get this fixed. like now that the news is getting involved i bet you know everybody slaps highest priority i bet this really is going to get highest priority and i bet it will finally get fixed for those mm-hmm. marines but it's crazy. I feel like lately there's been this big push. Like, I don't know if it's just this generation or whatever, realizing, like, the power of the internet kind of. Mm. But we were talking about that DD-214's memes, worst unit in the Marine Corps contest, all the stuff that came out of that and all the investigations and changes and this and that, like, spawning yeah. from that. So just kind of interesting to see.
2: This will be the how. last thing The last thing I'll say on this topic. but And maybe this is a little far-fetched and maybe this is feeling ourselves a little too much. But I wonder if we continue to shed light on problems like this throughout the military, if eventually it'll get to a point where commanders will start telling, "Don't, don't you be listening to that zero blog thirty, that that newfangled <laughs> podcast thing out there? You can't be listening to that anymore."
1: Fight the man, young troops. <laughs> Fight the man. Don't listen.
0: I got so about that. I remember a couple of months ago I mentioned you. A lot of times, junior troops don't know their rights about fighting an right. NJP and, and, JP and mm-hmm. to take it to court martial. <laughs> I got a uh, email from a colonel that worked in JAG and was like one is one of the main judges for on Quantico and he said he's like that is terrible advice a lot of these commanders are idiots and they will take you to court martial and a lot of times they will win because it's staff and COs and shit that are sitting on the boards like well, that oh, makes
3: oh whoops.
2: <laughs> like, whoops yeah
0: take that back all right let's move on to round number three which deals with our favorite topic that we know a lot about which is budgets the military spending has been tucked into a COVID bill, which I think almost every senator congressman, whenever you're writing a bill, you do it and you just get people on. That's what I've learned from watching the West Wing anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this mm-hmm. week, Senate Republicans unveiled a proposed bill that would authorize a $1 trillion spending package that's supposed to tackle COVID-19 during a pandemic that and the impacts that it have, especially economically because there's 40 million Americans that are unemployed. The draft law immediately drew criticism for including a raft of line items that seems at best tagically related to those efforts while many are not at all including the 30 billion with a b and defense spending which would be a top more than 705 billion already like when you already are getting 705 billion and you come out with your little wooden bowl and you're like, please, sir, may I have some more? Like, I don't think you really need that. What can you get accomplished with $735 billion that you couldn't get done with $705 billion? Just yeah. go buy your comet carpet cleaner from fucking Costco military. That will save you a lot of money there. Anyways, so in this money where they have the $30 billion of new money, they want – $283 million to the Army to build a new AH-64E Block 3 <laughs> helicopter, basically, yeah. which is our favorite helicopters. Everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. $375 million to the Army for upgrades for its double V-hole, the DVH, its Striker 8x8 armored wheel vehicle vehicles. And some of these, because so many people don't pay attention to military stuff, you could throw in, I bet if you did this, Bill, you could throw in $95 million And just make up a bunch of letters and call it an attack helicopter. And probably 90 of the 100 senators would have zero idea. I was
2: saying that as I'm going through this list, reading all these things, I don't know what half of these things are. And I was in the military. So how is anyone with zero military experience and zero taking any time to investigate any of these points of this bill going to know how to even fight these things?
0: Because I'll never Google. Like if I'm a senator, (laughs) I'm not Googling shit. Like if I get there and somebody says, "Hey, Mr. Senator, we need forty-one million four hundred thousand dollars to the Navy for the RGM-184A Naval Strike Missiles, also known as the NSM, and launcher specifically for the service literal combat ships."
1: Well, to me, this is a no-brainer because I mean they all say like at the end of each one, it's like this is a armored vehicle, this is a patrol aircraft, this is a ship, this is a whatever. Well, not th- and my not those. question is. But my question is, what does any of this have to do with COVID nineteen relief? With helping people nothing. get relief from COVID nineteen? I mean, nothing two, at all. Two billion with a B for ships. One billion with a B for maritime patrol aircrafts. Two hundred million for missile defense. Like. I understand that COVID does affect national security in different ways or whatever, but obviously, and I mean, the list just goes on and on and on, and each thing is more a little more ridiculous than the next. So, Kate, uh, you're
0: going to sit there with your freshly washed hair and tell me that you don't think it's actually needed, that we have $40,100,000 to, quote, defense-wide spending to replace a modified de Havilland DHC. Eight intelligence surveillance and reconnaissance ISR aircraft belonging to U.S. Special Operations Command, SOCOM, that was destroyed during the terrorist attack in Kenya in January 2020. You're going to sit there with your freshly washed hair and say that that's not needed?
1: If you put it that way, I do feel a little silly being upset. I do feel like maybe that is needed. But you're right, This it, It makes it clear that you were talking about pork barrel spending. Legislators are looking to use the bill as a vehicle for pork barrel spending. And it's pretty insane and what it is it's pork barrel is a metaphor for the appropriation of government spending for localized projects secured solely or primarily to bring money to that representative's districts mm-hmm. scholars use it as a term regarding legislative control of local funding kind of thing and i didn't realize so we got this story came from the war zone which is part of the drive uh, this this news site called the drive um uh, by joseph trevithic and tyler Rogaway. but uh People were commenting on it saying, the comments on this are no fun. No one is defending the spending bill, and this is a magazine for hawks. So this is more of a pro-military, pro-spending, like, whatever. And even they're like, eee, what do we do?"
0: Well, one of the things that's crazy about this bill is we had Martha McSally, who was the first A-10 pilot um, female to go to a combat zone. And she introduced part of this bill they're trying and have been trying for a long time to get rid of the A-10 Warthog, and even though it's in the threat of decommissioning and moving on to a different type of plane, in this bill, for a plane that might not long, no longer be around, $650 million to go to wing replacement kits—
1: Yep.
2: God. and you know, what's crazy God. is these numbers too are just so astronomical that it doesn't even it doesn't even make sense when you when you look at all the zeros and all the commas and all these numbers that Kate would have a tough time pronouncing out loud it it really is pretty ridiculous, but lest we forget like this is just how it's been since forever. This isn't anything mm-hmm. new that they uh people are just now trying to tuck away spending into various bills to get things uh done for, for the military. That's just how it's done. And, and Chaps, as you mentioned, the West Wing, it's like, hey, you want, I, I need you to vote for this bill. Okay, cool. Well, you're going to have to put this uh, bullet point in this bill because Joey's aircraft hangar wing replacement is in my district and I got to get him some business. That's just the way the world works. And we can't just turn a blind eye to that. I, I know it stinks and it's, it's ridiculous that all these appropriations are in this bill and have nothing at all to do with COVID spending. But that's just unfortunately how it works to get money for our defense department. Though I will
1: say it gives you a lot of good faith in our defense uh, lobbyists. They're doing a really great job (laughs) getting to our politicians and making sure that they are –
0: Well done, Secretary Mattis. Yes,
1: being spineless little bitches as per usual. Uh, So that's a good thing. I love the vague ones, $48 to the Army for – other procurement that's all it says i mean
0: that's the insane thing is that you already have your 700 billion dollar budget and if you were looking at this normal budget i would still think a lot of this is insane this is outside of the normal 700 billion dollars per year that's sent 5.3 billion for the defense production act purchases related to COVID 19 1.5 billion for the airports for research development and test and evaluation work $20 $20 million for defense-wide... It's just on and on and on. Where do they even come up with these numbers? $1.1 That's what I'm billion saying. Dollars yeah. for an Army Defense Industrial Base Resiliency
1: Fund Army? What the fuck does that even mean? They just what? have a bingo roller yeah. with, the, with millions on it, and they just pull a ball out. They're like, alright, $3 billion for uh, Army... Yeah. Uh, why, why and three-
0: you know what the biggest horseshit about this entire thing? They have $30 billion more going. Not an ounce of it to sponsor this podcast? Yeah, Uh, what the heck? What the heck? This podcast could be Zero Block Thirty presented by the United States Coast Guard, and they could contractually limit us from ever making fun of the National Guard again (laughs) if they did that and just sponsored the podcast and became presented. partners so easy. One thing through it, Mister Trump.
1: You know what makes me mad? I if I was in the military right now and I had this list, I would keep it in my pocket. And if I had to pay supply for a whoopee that I lost, I'd be like, are you sure you don't have the funds to cover it? You right. pieces of shit.
2: One thing I, gotta... I want to know, when you look at all these, these uh, line items for other procurement, I would love to see a list of all of the things that got shoehorned in. Like, oh, uh, we built a pool for uh, General uh, So-and-so. And, and just things that kind of got snuck in there that are really uh, abuse of, of these uh, funds. I, I the think mer- there's definitely things that have happened like that
1: the marines on the moldy mattresses at lejeune are scrolling through it like where's the barracks thing where's the thing for (laughs) oh no where's the new
2: mattress fund oh okay
0: (laughs) and this is the same issue that they've been having forever and will have forever we're going to talk a little bit about that in round number four too with our guest whose name is michelle Paradis, and he wrote a book called the last mission to tokyo i've been reading it in the bathtub it is incredible several times while i have been reading the books i thought holy shit how did I not know that? And I think that's a common theme for me in history. Uh, we're going to get into it a little bit with Michelle. Here Yes, he Now Zero Block 30, we're privileged to have uh, Michelle Paradis, who has wrote a book. And I always find it fascinating because, spoiler alert, World War II was a long time ago. And finding new information or presenting information from something 75, 76, 77 years ago is pretty amazing Were there points whenever you're researching this book that you were just like holy shit i can't believe i've never heard of this before
4: yeah pretty much the whole time yeah. um it was a like it was a pretty cool story and like one of the things like as you as you said you know, i mean when you're researching 75 years ago you kind of have the received wisdom that you got in grade school and right. in high school maybe um and then you find out all this stuff that just never kind of makes the history books for any number of reasons some of it is like really good stuff, like, i the stuff about my story. And some of it's kind of, uh, like, one of the things that kind of raised my eyebrows was uh, basically, like, in occupied Shanghai, occupied China, occupied Japan, where a lot of this book takes place um, after the war, uh, it was basically like an atmosphere of free love. Um, when they, And they can measure it by VD testing. So, wow. you know, at the immediate end of the war, rates of ed in the army in shanghai and in japan and uh were like you know 15 percent, which is about average population by january february of 1946 it's like 70 80 percent
3: yeah so see, the greatest we generation
0: about, we have these old men these that come out and we're talking about how great they we don't talk about how much they used to fuck like they were yeah, just all I, over I the
4: world like, i was like pop pop like, yeah. it was it was a. Uh, It was, that was like eye raising. So yeah, like going back into history, going back 75 years, you learn a lot. Like they made the hippies look like crudes.
0: So your book is, just to give people a little background who might not have heard of it yet, it goes into what we know as the Doolittle Raids. And the Doolittle Raids are very famous for uh, what they accomplished. And even recently we talked about it on, on this show. But for those that aren't familiar, can you give a little bit of a background on the Doolittle Raid and what was actually going on?
4: Yeah, so in, you know, April 1942, America is losing the war. Um, You know, North Africa is not going well. Uh, We've been booted out of our largest colony in the Philippines. Uh, The Bhutan Death March uh, is well underway. Uh, The British have been ousted from all of their major colonial possessions in in East Asia, whether or not it's Hong Kong or Shanghai or Singapore. Uh, It looks like India is about to fall. Or at least, could certainly be large parts of India could fall uh, and ally with the Japanese. And Roosevelt is desperate for some victory, some success, some opportunity to show the country that this is not only a war worth fighting, but that it's a war we can win. Um, and the solution to that problem ultimately is a stunt pilot by the name of Jimmy Doolittle, who spent the 1930s doing all of these crazy aeronautical experiments. Uh, that made him famous, like flying across the country for the first time in 24 hours, or uh, showing that you could fly a plane without uh, while blackening out the windows so you could fly totally on instruments. Uh, he happened to have a PhD from MIT, so he actually knew how to do these things. They're kind of like see. If
0: this came up. It's like a military version of Patch Adams, where it comes out <laughs> and you just don't believe this story. And yeah, I think that's yeah, World War II in a nutshell, where you hear a lot of these s- stories and you're like, that can't. A baseball, like a baseball player, what was a, like a famous fighter pilot too? Like, Ted Williams, what are we doing here?
4: Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And so, you know, Doolittle gets tra- uh, tapped to basically, you know, you know, I think one way of thinking about it is for his greatest experiment. Uh, they say, can you figure out a way of getting some, you know, at least medium army bombers over Japan? And the solution he ultimately comes up with is to put, 16 Army bombers on the deck of an aircraft carrier, B-25 bomber, uh, strips everything out of them, everything he can except for two guns um, and replaces them with gas tanks and then trains these pilots to be, to be able to take off a B-25, which you know, takes about you know, almost half a mile of runway. It's designed mm-hmm. to take off on quite a runway um, to get off the deck of an aircraft carrier in 500 feet. Uh, And they do this. They get an aircraft carrier about, they're initially trying to get about 400 miles off the coast of Japan. Uh, They get spotted on the way. So they end up being more like 700 miles uh, from the coast of Japan. And they go anyway on this one-way mission to drop bombs on Japan uh, and with the plan of hopefully finding this airfield in China, which never materialized. Um, And they do it. They pull it off. Not a single plane is shot down. Um, One of his planes ultimately after you know, attacking Japan has to fly up to Russia and causes a bit of a diplomatic incident because Russia at that time is neutral with Japan. Um, But all the other planes make it unscathed to China. Uh, Or I should say most of the other crew, most of the crew make it unscathed to China because that that landing field never materializes. Uh, And so all the crews have to either crash land off the East China Sea uh, or to jump out um, and let their planes crash into the mountains in China. Um, And you know, certainly when they were planning this operation, I think everyone kind of assumed that the odds of survival were pretty low. Uh, you know, it wasn't a suicide mission, but you know, the safety of the crews was not a priority. Um, and yet, and this is one of the things that just made it such like a, almost a miracle in April of 1942 is all but 11 of, do, of the 80 men that Doolittle takes on this mission, uh, including Doolittle, um, not only survive, but make it out, uh, and make it back to the United States as the most incredibly celebrated heroes of the war, certainly at that point, but really throughout the war. You know, I mean, the, we, New Little Rage sort of has lived on in things like, you know, the movie Midway, or, you know, with uh, Alec Baldwin in Pearl Harbor, and 30 Seconds Over Tokyo is obviously a classic. Um, but it, you know, it, its stature, its status, it's, uh, it, as, as part of World War II history has large, you know, it's begun to fade from memory. Now we only kind of think of like Normandy, and uh, you know, maybe the droppings of the atomic bombs. So the dual Raid is, you know, the first major victory of the Second World War. It ends up having just catastrophic effects on Japan's war strategy um, that ultimately lead us to win the war. And so, yeah, it's a totally insane, crazy, heroic story um, that deserves to be, uh, you know, told as many times as you can. And we hear a lot
0: about, like, the positive aspects, but you go into some of the the more kind of overlooked aspects. And we do that a lot, I think, in military history, where we don't talk about nearly as much the the stories of what it would actually like be like to be captured by by say like the Viet in Vietnam where people spent six and a half, seven years in prison camps. And you kind of go into the the dirt the dirtier, darker side of war because we look at the doolittle raid and we think, oh, that's that's a pretty sexy thing to be involved in. Well it wasn't for some of the people
4: there, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, so three of the Doolittle Raiders die um, in these plane crashes. Two die in one of the crashes off the East China Sea when the plane hits the water pretty hard. Um, a third gets out of his plane successfully, but hits some rocks um, and dies just from his injuries when, from landing. Um, but eight get captured. Uh, they get captured by the Japanese um, and Chinese guerrillas who are allied with the Japanese and turned over to the Kempeitai, Tai, which is Japan's notorious secret police from World War II. And, you know, as you might fear and expect, uh, they get brutally tortured. Uh, They're waterboarded, they're subjected to stress positions, they're hung from the ceiling to deprive them of sleep, they're put in solitary confinement for weeks, ultimately years on end, until they're driven half mad. Um, You know, it's a real harrowing story of survival and suffering, and four of them don't survive at all. Um, What happens uh, is that in 1942, a few months after uh, they're captured, the Japanese put them all before a show trial and sentence them all to death for committing atrocities against the Japanese and then execute uh, three of them. The emperor sort of mercifully, quote unquote, spares the lives of uh, the five others, uh, but then sentences them to essentially solitary confinement and special treatment where their you know food and their medical care are so meager and wanting that one of them actually dies of malnutrition in 1943 uh, two others come pretty close to dying of malnutrition, um, and it 's only by virtue of the you know them being miraculously and surprisingly rescued in August of one thousand nine hundred and forty five that the four even ever make it out alive
0: and the way that you talk about it now is like a, a storyline on almost in a novel of how everything 's written out, but coming to that conclusion via different documents, how does that process work for somebody like you who's a historian and putting everything together? Because certainly there's not just like a Josephus out there who's writing everything <laughs> down, where you're having to put everything together. How does that process work?
4: Uh, it's very painstaking. Uh, thank you for recognizing how difficult that actually is. Yeah, um, Because, you know, it like history, untold history doesn't have a narrative that you can sort of Start with right, like a lot, a lot of, a lot of stories. Like you can tell the story of Midway, you can tell the story of you know, like the Nuremberg trials or something. Everyone that's been told a lot, and people kind of know where the beats are. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're doing a story that hasn't been told before, um, it's like building a mosaic, but you don't know what the picture is yet. You just get mm-hmm. one little piece at a time, uh, and you slowly but surely just put them. I, I try to work chronologically. I kind of, I just take each fact that I learn, then I try to insert it chronologically. And um, slowly but surely, just see what happens um, over time, and and yeah, and it's once you sort of are able to, you know, it took it, it takes a fairly good editor as well, I should say. I had a really yeah. good editor, Ed Simon, who um, you know really taught me um, how to tell a story, and 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 actually, here's the key to that, um, you know, so the the actual historical and scholarly process is, as I said, it's just painstaking mosaic building. It's like archaeology, like you get a little fragment mm-hmm. here, a little fragment there, and you, you try and organize them as best you can. Um, Just looking for really your some Lucy. Best, <laughs> looking for Lucy, right? <laughs> looking for a piece of a jawbone or something. Yeah. You know? um, and, but really what, you know, my, my editor kind of like really stuck with, you know, the, the best note she ever gave me was remember you're telling a story about people. Mm-hmm. And if you tell a story about people um, it, you know, people will relate to it and it'll fall, you know, if you're telling the story of a life, um, it will be, you know, it, the story itself will kind of come naturally from that. And so that was like the big, the best note I got, because then I, I almost approached it as, you know, telling the biography of the various characters, right. um, you know, characters, the real people, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like thinking about them as the biography of the various people that, are, that come up in the story. And I think um, that's important then, so, yeah.
0: because yeah. humanity doesn't change. Like we talked recently to, Medal of Honor recipient Woody Williams, and he was talking about being an 18-, 19-year-old kid on Iwo Jima having a flamethrower and dealing with that kind of stuff. And I often mention one of my favorite shows is The West Wing, and even though it's essentially premiered 30 years ago now or 20 years ago, the stories and the political issues are the exact same. And you were working with the Department of Defense in 2007 whenever they were really looking into – waterboarding and the merits or the lack of merits behind it. And the story of how we treat people in war and prisoner of war treatment really is a pinpoint on a flat timeline where we're still discussing the same issues now that we did in 1940s, but just in a very different way.
4: Yeah. You know, that, the story of how I actually stumbled upon, um, you know, this story that I end up writing about, is I was working in the Department of Defense, and it was at towards the end of the Bush administration, and there was all this debate. You know, is waterboarding torture? That was the big debate. And we had heard that there was this war crimes trial where what we had heard was we prosecuted the Japanese for waterboarding, uh, and so we sent a young Marine captain. And nothing, no one really had written anything about this trial or anything. We couldn't find anything, so we sent a young Marine captain the national archives which is crazy go, because it's
0: the people behind yeah. the doolittle right like it's right, i know it's, it's, it's yeah. crazy that that's an aspect yeah. that's overlooked
4: yeah yeah that was that's what blew me away and so i had no idea about this case at all we had only heard this sort of like random like reference to it and so we had this young marine captain go to the national archives dig out this old you know rotting paper record uh make a copy of it and then brought it back and i remember reading it and had the same reaction i was like this is insane. How have I never heard about this before? Um, and and so, yeah, that's how we found out about the story is that, you know, history sometimes repeats and, or at least if it doesn't repeat, as Mark Twain used to say, it certainly rhymes. Um, and, <laughs> and, and looking for those rhymes or seeing those rhymes is, is often important to understanding the world we live in today. And the book's
0: fantastic. I'm almost done with it. It's called The Last Mission to Tokyo, the Extraordinary Story of the Doolittle Raiders and their Final Fight for Justice. And... Going through it, man, like I just think of how I, my personality, like now I just recently got into woodworking and I was in, really into barbecue and golf, but there's a ton of people who do those same type of hobbies. When you're writing a book like this, I imagine it encapsulates, encapsulates your entire life where you just want to talk about it with other people, but you kind of have to wait since you're the one that discovered the story. Was that murderous for you?
4: <laughs> More for my wife, I would say, because, yeah. you know, I'd come home and I'd be like, I found We get it. The 1940s document. were
0: involved.
4: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, or be like, let me guess, you're about to tell me a story about 1945. Um, and so, yeah, so it was like, it, it's been a real pleasure now that the book's out to be able to really talk to people about it because, you know, it's a story that it was so crazy. And so much of the story is just totally bananas that, um, you know, it was just so much fun to research and, and really try to like, try to just almost live in the time. I know that sounds sort of a little like sort of metaphysical, but you know, I went, one of the things I did in researching the book, um, a lot of the book takes part, uh, takes place in Shanghai uh, for, for a lot of just specific and strange historical reasons. Um, and so one of the things I did was the bachelor's officers quarters where they held, uh, where all the US Army lawyers and Air Force uh, officers lived in 1945, 1946, is this place called Broadway Mansions, which at the time was like the poshest hotel in Shanghai. Um, And it's still there. It's actually still a pretty nice kind of art deco hotel. And so in doing the book um, and doing the research for the book, and I I wanted to do some field work in Shanghai, but I got to stay, I stayed for like a week and a half in this hotel where a lot of the sort of human side of the plot takes place. and, yeah, and that was just kind of like a, a great way of just being able to try and just, get, you know, get a sense of the geography of the time, right? How long does it actually take you to get from here to there if you're walking on foot? Or, you know, what are you looking at if you're, you know, sitting in the dining room at Broadway Mansions and looking out the window, that kind of stuff? Um, you know, just to give you a real, just, you know, I don't know, just like an intuitive sense of, you know, what it was like to be there. And hopefully that translates on the page to make it, you know, more immersive. Um, right,
0: and having it be entertaining and historical at the same time, there must have been times where you come across elements of the story where it didn't necessarily meet your fact-checking criteria. How hard was that to establish? Like, oh, I, I think this might have happened, but I'm not actually sure, so I can't include it.
4: Yeah, there was a lot of that stuff. That was that was really hard because um, there was some stuff you'd sort of see, you know, like rumors or someone say this may have happened and it's always like really juicy but you're like i can't substantiate that you know it's basically just a rumor and sometimes you're like well maybe i can just say it's a rumor but then you kind of are breaking down the storytelling too right like there's a there is this tricky balancing that you can't interject yourself too much into the story to say you know this may or may not be true (laughs) um and and still have the person enjoy the telling. So yeah, there are a lot of times when you just kind of find these good juicy details that, um, you know, about people, about who they were and what they were like, that you'd love to include, but there was just no way of confirming it without or or, or there's no way of publishing without getting sued for libel in a couple of cases. Um, um, And by the same token too, like it goes the other way. And this is again, the benefit of having a really good editor is like, there was a lot of really just fascinating history and political history, particularly in Asia, which certainly for me in growing up, there's not a part of the war that you learn much about, right? Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of, like, I didn't know all that much, candidly, before I started this project about the war in China uh, and, you know, how it started in 1937 and that, you know, the attack on Pearl Harbor really was Japan's way of trying to get better access to oil and steel and cotton in order to fight this guerrilla war that had been bleeding it to death in China. Um, And so, you know, really learning and unpacking the super complicated game of Thrones-level politics that was going on in Asia throughout the war, too, um, was super fascinating. And I kept, like, going on these long digressions about it. And my editor, again, very wisely, was like, that's fascinating, but... And so some of that I end up smuggling into the end notes of the book, which are about 100 pages long. But Yeah, um, it's So, yeah, it goes both ways.
0: And I don't want to give too much about the book away. Make sure that our listeners go out and buy it if you want to just continuously have these what the fuck moments pick up the book uh the last mission to tokyo the extraordinary story of the do little raiders and their final fight for justice from michelle parodies it is great um where can they find you at on social media or where do you prefer they buy the book because a lot of people are saying not amazon right now where would you like them to purchase the book
4: yeah if you want to buy, actually the best place to buy the book is a, is a website called bookshop.com um and what it actually is is it's like a, a confederation of local bookstores. So you can help, you know, local businesses uh, stay in business, especially in time of COVID when it's been really hard on retailers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can avoid Amazon if that's what you want to do. <laughs> um, and it's a great and and I think the price is the same on Amazon. Bookshop's really aggressive about matching Amazon on price, so it's a great place to buy the book. Helps local business. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's M D Paradis, um, uh, but you don't have to do that. You can if you want. There you
0: go. All right, Michelle, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate the time and the effort that it took to put that history on the page.
4: Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Take care.
0: We appreciate his time and efforts to do that kind of research. That would be intense, man. Like having to travel overseas, do a translation of different documents and figure things out and put it together in an entertaining way because that's to me that's how you have to consume history. Is in books that are almost presented like novels. Just going through and reading like a line action history book boring. But you do it in a, you do it in like a story. I'm in.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah, kind of like the way Kyle tweets out Uh, zbt history tweets each day it's it has a little added flair to it It makes it much more enjoyable and digestible
0: yeah no doubt about it all right let's move on to round number four which comes to us courtesy of the hill we're gonna talk a little bit you know we're passionate about hvacs on this show so we're gonna jump into a little bit of hvac goofing what do we got kate
1: All right, President Trump mistakenly tagged an Ohio heating, ventilating, and air conditioning HVAC company as Air Force One on Wednesday. Whoops, he got his own plane mixed up with HVAC company in Ohio, uh, prompting the company to offer its services for the White House or the president's plane. While aboard Air Force One, the president tweeted criticism of Fox News saying it wasn't, and I quote, even watchable, but Trump tagged the Ohio company also called air force one what a great name for an hvac company (laughs) air force one when mentioning in the post that he was on the plane the company air force one which has several offices in ohio responded to trump's tweet saying as a family-owned business we don't take sides in politics but we were flattered by the mention at real donald trump unfortunately hvac techs don't make great pilots but if this is an invitation to provide mechanical services in the white house or on air force one we're all ears. Uh, and so I just love that they got, and it's at H- Air Force One underscore HQ is what Trump accidentally uh, tweeted at when he was mentioning that he was on the plane. So I think a smart move by this company, that has to be one of the best things that can happen for your small company to bring you mm-hmm. some shine. So I don't know. I like it. I'm just happy for I this do little... like
0: that too. Waking up and having all those mentions, I often think of the lady who actually has the handle... At my wife on Instagram was as much as I tag her and her two posts where she would wake up and be like, who are all these people in America that are talking about me? I think that would be – this HVAC company probably gets two tweets a year. Normally. Right, exactly, exactly. And the next thing you know, the president does it with his 80 million or whatever followers, and their mentions are blown up. Their phone would be seized because they'd still have notifications on. They wouldn't be able to deal with it.
1: And I picture, like, the owner being, like, some dad in his 50s or something being, like, Tina, how the fuck do I respond to this? My dad joke, my dad, HVAC
0: name finally took off.
1: Yeah, <laughs> finally. So I just thought it was cute. I think it was well played. Anybody, I already saw people giving them shit for responding and being cute. Shut up. Like, just let them have fun with it. This is a light, fun, wacky thing. And yeah. uh, I just think they handled it right. I think like it they was...
0: sat down with the president in the Rose Garden. Right? doing a little
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Seriously, <laughs> exactly. what's the big deal? Yeah. Yeah, Unbelievable. So... I people will be upset cute. about anything
0: i know they'll get uh, triggered about anything uh-huh. especially triggered whenever you're pulling the trigger by somebody in the armory They're i know face can't yeah. do that i no. love the hvac story just because i if i was a small business owner or even just the podcast if he wants to mistakenly retweet listen to zbt i'll take it
1: i'll take it absolutely yes. We need to find
0: something that he's fired out about. Maybe I can see him being a long time Thule guy. When he gets done being the president, he wants to come on. He's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm sick of golfing. Maybe I'll get a jackhammer. Let me see how (laughs) Chuck's using a jackhammer.
2: (laughs) Wonder if he'll let me borrow it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> uh, imagine, right, well, no, imagine You get a knock on your door And it's you know secret service uh, Yes uh, Mr. Traps uh, The president has alerted us that you own a jackhammer And he needs to use it for mar a Renovations would you mind letting him borrow For Putin
1: style propaganda photos He's out back with Chaps <laughs> with his wheelbarrow He's got his rocky boots on
0: Yeah, I would give a lot of money To hand President Trump A jackhammer make him just wear nothing but like a bathing suit, like like the Navy SEAL oh version God. bathing suit, like the short khaki ones that you can see the outline of their dick, mm-hmm. and then him standing just somewhere with a jackhammer titties flailing, titties yeah. popping Slow-mo all over cam. the place and he's like I am doing a bigly good job
1: He's, he's <laughs> jackhammering into a marble statue of communist china or something or you can have
0: him be like let's have a compromise because (laughs) what if we had president trump be like look we know how much mount rushmore means to you we know you want to be on this bad boy with the other four fellas you can be on it but you got to do the artwork yourself (laughs) (laughs) and you can use chaps's jackhammer to chisel out a picture I'd mean, I mean, There's okay, the
2: visual sorry. right there President right. Trump hanging from a harness Just holding a jackhammer Going against Mount Rushmore Doing darnest. you have to do
0: it On live stream, pay per view Everybody has $10 Like you have to get $10 to get in on that And if you do it All that money that you're going to make Goes to the national debt And you can pay down all the money that we lost Because of coronavirus 10% of the economy essentially gone away all that comes back if you get the chance to watch Trump with the jackhammer on this is a jackhammer. This is
2: a no-brainer for President yeah. Trump. He needs Two to Two no no-brainers I've had
0: for the Trump administration for free. One, what? do a live stream while you are doing a, – have a live stream while you are debating Joe Biden in a car. They're taking like a Lincoln Continental and driving down 95 from the White House all the way down to (laughs) Mar-a-Lago. They can have any (laughs) debates on Periscope that you want to have. And then after that, if he loses or if he wins, he goes to Mount Rushmore, does a live stream with a jackhammer with his titties out. Let's move on to round five. (laughs) (laughs) That went places I didn't think That was horrible
2: Never did I think we'd be Jack Hammer in Mount Rushmore With a topless president Trump But here we are That was so
3: uncomfortable
0: Uh, Was that round four or five? That was five
1: five. I have important breaking news The lazy boy I ordered four months ago When I spilled a large amount of Reese's Puffs on my couch Has just arrived mid-show
0: Okay Okay, we'll just I'm keep ca- without you. Okay, keep
1: going without me, but I'm nervous because the other huge couch is still in here and I don't know where they're going to put just this stuff.
0: Just keep your headphones on and if we need your opinion on something, I'll holler for you.
1: Also, the cat's under the bed. I'm trying to wrangle him into the bathroom. If he gets mm. out while this goes on, I'm going to fucking die. But in case they're murdery, the camera's on. Okay, carry on. Okay. <laughs> <Right. laughs>
0: All right, so that was round That was round five, right? Five.
2: Yes, that was round five.
0: Okay. What was the thing that happened that we weren't happy about?
3: I I have no idea. I think only Kate we need her Only Kate <laughs> has that information.
2: Kate, we need you for this round. No, no. No, no. It was I who wrote that round. Oh. oh
0: okay. Oh shit. We don't What happened, Cons?
2: So, common theme of this show is how I'm always wrong. But mm-hmm. this week I was finally right and I won one of our Twitter polls. That yeah, I that had was the best shocking. Animal. I
0: have to admit, that was <laughs> shocking when I saw that you won a Twitter poll. What were the final res- What was the question first, and then what were the results?
3: So, Kyle, do you want to read it? Yeah the the question was it was on what animals we would take into battle, uh, fifty trained animals based on the the Twitter question, and uh, you know all of it was chaps had the. The Hippos, Khan, Silverback Gorilla, Kate, the Seagulls, and myself, Irish Wolfhounds. And uh, voting did not go the way I I expected or wanted it to go. So, cons, what what were the results? The
2: results were Kyle with 10% of the vote at the bottom, which is usually the spot reserved for me. True. (laughs) (laughs) Kate with 20%. Chaps with thirty four percent, and I narrowly edged out Chaps with thirty six percent of the vote. No, I feel like, like you kind of gorillas. played into
0: audience ignorance of not knowing the capabilities of hippos too. Or
3: found.
2: I'll take what I can get. I'll take what I can get. Well, all right? no,
0: I'm proud. I was. I was secretly kind of glad of that. And Conant and I had a nice little moment yesterday. Usually, when on social media, we have a very divisive relationship where it's just either making fun of each other or not. I was waiting for the joke to come whenever you tagged me on Instagram, and it was just Tim the Tool Man Taylor." And I was like, "That was just a nice interaction." What happened with that? Cons? scared to explain I, yourself?
2: Yeah, I just I found myself on the couch and I'm flipping the channels. And what's so funny is I pay way too much for cable to only really watch probably thirty or twenty channels. I, I, I don't watch oh, a I'd vast say, majority.
0: I'd say way less for me. I pay yeah. for it. I pay for Directv year round solely for 16 Jags game was a year.
2: Yeah, That's it's ridiculous. It. It's so stupid <laughs> what I pay for cable to not watch so many of the channels. But I came across a channel, I don't even know what channel it was, and it had Home Improvement on. So I started watching Home Improvement, I'm laughing, and it's so funny because the memories are vivid in my brain because I remember watching that show growing up, and mm-hmm. I remember the episodes. I even remember the lines in the episode. I was, I was telling jokes in my head before Randy could even get them out of his mouth. But so I'm watching, and I'm like, "Oh, Tim Toolman. oh, this is like Japs's new new show. It's all about you know, basically being Tim the Toolman in in the same environment, raising a family, and doing things yourself around the house. So let me uh, throw up a little uh, Instagram story. Being kind of story. incompetent, yeah, <laughs> just kind of figuring it out. But hey, I'm gonna put up this Insta story and tag longtime Toolies.
0: There you go. We so- appreciate that, <laughs> and that, like Con said, longtime Toolies is the name on Instagram and. Uh, Pinterest fucking Facebook, I think too, YouTube you can find everything there uh it's been really fun. I used this table saw for the first time yesterday and turned it on. That thing is scary yeah, <laughs> like, luckily, I have somebody was nice enough to send me a saw stop, which is the one where if it touches your skin like essentially eats the blade itself which is incredible so i don't feel as nervous with this one mm-hmm. but i'm really excited about that we've gotten a lot of stuff done now you've seen the stock tank pool you guys were kind of judgy on tuesday how are we feeling about the stock tank pool now that you've seen it in action
2: so I, it serves its purpose it's great it's a great way to relax and, and cool off in that texas heat for sure mm-hmm.
3: i i'll say it is actually a step above an above ground pool like one of the rubber ones or one of the, like, mm-hmm. one of the, like... intact. pools? Yeah, one of those. It's a step above that, and it doesn't look as bad as I thought.
0: Yeah, and I'm going to be doing some masonry stuff around it to make it look a little bit nicer. Brick by brick. Uh, yeah, <laughs> brick by brick, mason by mason, screw by screw, wrench by wrench, all that stuff. So make sure you go check out that uh, and get our goof shirts. We have some good stuff coming in. If the hats that I want to get made for long-time toolies get made... You're gonna love them. You are absolutely gonna love them. We got aprons and all kinds of stuff coming this way. Kate's still getting her um, <laughs> apartment all set up there. They got a new lazy We'll get an update on that on Tuesday. And t- oh, we gotta do save rounds. Con, yes. what do you got?
2: Yes, uh, number one. I think going from DIY goofing to longtime toolies was a great move. I think that's a, a much better brand. So uh, good on that. Uh, um, I I guess I'll ask this question of Kyle. I would ask Kate, but she's obviously preoccupied. Kyle, is Chaps becoming a vet bro? Because every time I turn around, he's doing a video in his truck, a selfie video in his truck. No,
3: because he he's not he's not ranting. Well, sometimes he rants. Okay, true. He did rant a couple times about having to go to uh, Lowe's like four times in a day. But but
0: I didn't mention snowflakes. Yeah, he didn't. Oh, okay. He didn't. Right. He
3: didn't even mention he was a veteran or say true. say as a veteran. Oh, that's true. So no, I mean yeah. he's. He's transcended into tool guy rants, which are their own special class. But every single one of them is acceptable.
2: Okay, all right. Uh, credit to me for not giving a hard time for the sailor who fell out during uh, Representative Lewis's memorial service.
0: Unfair that- to the pallbearers. Unfair expectations to ask them to do it in the summertime because mm-hmm. those are thick boys. Like the one <laughs> we I think we've talked to some before. They get waivers for his size because those. Um, caskets are heavy as fuck. Like, and yeah. to do that in dress uniforms in the middle of the summer and have to stand there, brutal to do that.
2: Yes. Um, and then finally, uh, Frankie over at the Foreplay podcast, mm-hmm. uh, He obviously he went alongside being Dave's, uh, Dave's guy. He went with him to the White House. In the first 15 minutes or so of one of the, the most recent Foreplay episodes, Frankie kind of talks about his trip to the White House and it was interesting if you, if you care to hear that but what was funny is he mentioned he mentioned our show and he mentioned me and I forget the context with which he mentioned me but I always think it's funny when civilians start talking about their pals who are veterans or served Frankie made me an army ranger I mm. most certainly was not uh, an army ranger yeah, I wasn't even Ranger qualified. That's actually my biggest regret in the military—that I didn't go to Ranger school. But I just found that, that that funny that that Frankie's running around telling everybody I'm an Army Ranger. I'll take it if that's what he wants to think. You're an
0: Army Ranger. Kate has a Purple Heart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the tales just continue to grow. Kyle, what do you got?
3: Just want to do a follow-up on my pal Connor. Uh, you said mm-hmm. you've been going to the gym. How's that been going?
2: It's good. It really just puts me in such a, a better headspace. I'm one of those people that I, I do enjoy working out. I think a lot of people see working out, running, going to the gym, whatever it is, as a chore. I actually enjoy it. So to get out of the just running and doing push-ups and actually to get back into a gym has been very great for my mental health and just overall well-being.
0: Do you want to address all the people who were saying that you look fat whenever you were playing golf? Mm. Ooh,
2: I did not see that. I did not oh, see I that. I think, that. Everybody. I think what it was is my, my shirt is just a little billowy. That's really oh, what it yeah. comes down to, mm. and much yeah, I like think when
0: you got to be cognizant of that whenever you're doing golf because if you're tucked in, it does look billowy. You got to address that with the camera. We're kind of a rookie move on your part, cons, but we'll yep. we'll let that slide. You gotta watch yeah. the angles. else, yeah. <laughs> Kyle?
3: Uh, no, I, I just asked because he said he was going to start posting watch pictures like Jocko, and he he said he was going to do it. He promised everybody. Big deal. Asked us. I
2: don't know that I promised. Uh, I don't know that I promised. I'm uh, Pretty
3: sure. Maybe you didn't, but you did. I right, um, about to check okay. the tape, yeah, no, it says it on the tape. I'll check, but so I just haven't right. seen those, and i was I was worried, all right, I'll start posting I was worried about posting. you that something happened to you, like maybe you got injured
0: all right for mine for my save round, I'm gonna show you guys something, so I gotta take off my headset for a minute, but just kind of them through what I'm showing. look how supportive. Barstool is as a company I mean, adjust the, I'll adjust
2: the camera oh. So Chaps is standing up in his office Walking behind oh, the chair I know what He's this lifting is. up a very big Heavy bag that you would see In a boxing gym That is a big old bag And it does not look Light so I don't know where he's going To hang that up maybe his garage It's going in his Possibly? office It's going so behind him
0: An enormous Enormous heavy bag for me to hit and things like that i thought it was going to be like a 50 pound 130 pound that's at least 150 pounds
2: yeah it's a legit heavy bag that, that you would normally only see in a boxing gym that's not necessarily a heavy bag that people own in their own home and it's got the pirate dog
3: on it
0: yeah on both sides and it says. oh it break. does that's awesome yeah. i didn't know yeah. that yeah, I, yeah yeah oh yeah i'll show you again so you can so I I had planned on putting it in my office It's too big I don't know Yeah, you gotta
2: put it in your garage
0: Yeah, it's gonna go in the garage Now that everything is there Um, So yeah, that's my week I'm gonna get that set up Set up some outside barbecue shit this weekend Looking forward to it
2: Uh, Last thing, sorry Uh, Last Friday, Regis Philbin died Obviously everybody knows Regis Regis, what people don't realize is Regis was in the Navy So, you know, RIP to Regis RIP to Regis for sure
4: Um, That's it It's on the retreat